hello, everybody, and welcome to No Chick Flick Moments, where I, hello, am your co-host, Rumi. Hi, I'm your other co-host, B. This is No Chick Flick Moments, our supernatural watch cast, your one-stop shop for all supernatural meta. Mm-hmm. How are you, B? How are you? Oh, I I am very happy about the episode we're talking about this week. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me more, tell me more. We are on season two, episode 12, Night Shifter. And that's Dang. all I'm going to tell you, because <laughs> you have to tell me the rest. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Sorry, I was having an existential crisis over the fact that when I said, tell me more, tell me more, um, I wanted to launch into the the Grease song. Mm-hmm. But then I realized that, Remy, you've never actually seen the movie Grease before in your entire <laughs> life. The closest you've come to it was the Grease episode of Glee. Oh my god. You, you don't actually know the lyrics, and you would just embarrass yourself if you... There was a Grease <laughs> episode of Glee? It started humming. But, oh, I'm sure there was. I don't I'm know. Like, what, are you, what are you saying? You didn't have a school that would put it on in the library over lunch hour, like, eight times a year? I just got, like, simultaneously sad at myself for having the impulse while also being sad that I'm so uncultured that I couldn't even recall the next line <laughs> of the, like, most obvious song of, of Greece. I mean, we can rectify that. We can watch no, it. No, I don't actually want to. Okay, I, I think that that's a fair assessment. <laughs> the songs are better than the movie. How about that? That that's just it. All this is to say that I stopped listening like twenty seconds ago. So I'm back though. I'm back now. Oh, okay. Hi. You didn't hear me saying all my things then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you said you said the name of the episode, and you told me to tell you who it was written by and directed by in the synopsis, right? Yes, please. Of course. It was an episode that was written by Ben Edlund. It is his second episode mm-hmm. ever written for supernatural for supernatural yes and just i i mentioned because it's ben edlin right yes yeah. yeah an old hat another old hat is the director who directed this episode was phil sagrisha he has done such a good job with this one yes yes and well i don't know b there was the slow-mo i know how you feel about the slow-mo okay there's a difference i feel between a singer slow-mo and like just an average slow-mo because <laughs> a singer slow-mo is like we're gonna take half as many frames out again and then just let you suffer <laughs> but yes well the yes the original air date for the episode was January 25 of 2007. The synopsis for this episode reads, Sam and Dean investigate a string of robberies with a disturbing pattern. In each incident, a trusted employee holds up the bank, then commits suicide. However, when the autopsy reports show their actual time of death as several days before robbery, Sam and Dean realize the shapeshifter has returned. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of deleted scenes making their way into the synopsis. I I can only assume because my first thought was, 
Okay, so the second the second part of the synopsis, right? The 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 autopsy report is, is what clues them in on the shapeshifter. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't get that at all. Not one uh, bit. And that's made no mention of. But I'm like, did they not have Ronald in the original draft of this episode, or they? That's probably too extreme. They probably had Ronald. They probably just had some deleted scene between yeah, near the beginning of the episode before mm-hmm. the whole shit, shit show went down. Yeah. If uh, I had to guess, they just had it as extra evidence mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. the shifter. And then when they realized they didn't have the time for it, then they cut what was extraneous and just kept it with the core retina um, flare on the mm-hmm. video. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, the synopsis makes no mention of the the sticky situation the boys find themselves in. Crazy, because this episode is legendary for the fact that it's like the heist episode. I love it. I love it so much. Mm-hmm. It's such a good episode. It's so well done. We have been talking extensively uh about how supernatural plays with genres yeah especially here in this season two and like you said this is the heist episode and i love this episode in particular for how it pushes together the seam between the supernatural world and then the you know everyday average person world Um, Yes, we get to see how that boundary between the two kind of gets crossed um, with Ron. And then we get to see it all but obliterated with the FBI getting involved and looking at Sam and Dean from that mundane um, perspective, just how they look like to the outside world. We get it a lot with Ron, with Sherry, with Hendrickson. Mm-hmm. Hendrickson! I know! Okay. We got him, finally. We'll get there. Yes. Fan favorite. I was trying to explain to my husband uh, what this episode was about, and I'm, and he, he said, would I know it? I'm like, well, I sure do, but I don't think <laughs> you would. Sam and Dean in a bank, there's a shapeshifter. Nah, you probably wouldn't know it. But you would enjoy it if I made you watch it. Absolutely. And and uh, I said, it has Hendrickson in it. He, he was only in like three or four episodes, but he's a fan favorite. So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, four overall, which is tragic. Again, the show was just about the brothers for so long. I say this like they ever stopped, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. a tragedy that we have so many interesting side characters and they only get such little screen time. But mm-hmm. makes such an impact with what they got. Again, we've mentioned it over and over again. These past few episodes, the side characters have been the real standouts. And it's such a breath of... I, I hate to say a breath of fresh air because, like, I don't... I, I love the boys. I like the show. Yes. I wouldn't be here if I didn't like the show. And the show is Sam and Dean and Monster Hunting. There is something to be said for side characters for them to play off of, though. Like, we get to see more of Sam and Dean based off of who they're interacting with. You know, if you give them just a wall, I'm sorry, you don't have much play there. But interesting side characters means interesting interactions and more 
facets of Sam and Dean revealed. That's a very good point. That's very true because we do we've seen Sam and Dean playing off of each other. We know what we know how they interact with each other and we like that dynamic. Mm-hmm. But introducing new dynamics is the uh the breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. It gives us more out of our characters. Yeah. Like I love Dean in this episode. He was like i don't know he was very fun and soft this episode i loved sam in this episode he was such a brat in such a good way (laughs) and you know they had such a great brother dynamic in this episode too like just the little glances where they look at each other like seriously and like yeah Yeah. of course this is what i did like i knew it was bad blah blah blah. anyway shut up (laughs) like those little moments are so great but this early supernatural has been doing such a good job of giving us these, um, man, I don't want to get into it, (laughs) but again, when I was talking to my husband, I was like, I really like this episode because it is in this era of supernatural where we still have Sam and Dean out in the world and the show plays with, the clash between Sam and Dean and the supernatural and the real world. Whereas once we get into the later supernatural post season eight, we have the bunker and they just, I I love the bunker era of supernatural, but it's a totally different feel to the world because the world gets so much smaller. Yes. Yeah. I feel that. So this episode definitely served to, um, highlight that a lot of my most recent experience with Supernatural being the later seasons of Supernatural since it's been so long since I've done a rewatch um the later seasons have a very different world feel Mm -hmm. than the early seasons and the early seasons is a bit more nitty gritty and real yeah they really are living in the shadows of the world and having to cross into the light frequently, I guess. Mm-hmm. Whereas in later seasons, with the bunker in mind, you know, they always have uh, basically a home, like a ground zero that they can retreat to and regroup. Here it's like if they're caught, they're caught out in the open, like where are they going to go hide? Yeah. And it's also a consequence of the escalation that happens with Supernatural. Their Sam and Dean's problems get much bigger and they are not interacting with and fighting for the little guy anymore. I wouldn't say that not for the little guy, but it is very much that the wrinkles that come with living in a society get sort of smoothed away. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I get what you're saying that they have, you know, the monsters of the week are genuinely monsters of the week. And then the mythic arc is completely on a scale above and beyond what the everyday person would be interacting with. Mm hmm. Yes, that's yes, that's better put than I than my attempt. But 
uh, we're not talking about season 15 <laughs> as, as much as we like to bring it up because it's our most recent experience with, or it, we're so fresh off of the later seasons that it's mm-hmm. fun to compare and contrast them to what we're seeing now in the much older seasons. Yeah. But let's talk about episode 12. Yes. So this episode starts off with a recap reminding us of the shifter case in St. Louis, as well as um, the brush in with those detectives in Baltimore earlier this season. Um, The fact that Dean is a wanted man gets interrupted by this breaking news report of a bank robbery that is being covered by local news in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, They're in the midst of the third hour of an intense standoff where there's at least 10 hostages inside of the bank. And we have a shaky camera showing us a hostage coming out with Dean standing behind him. Oh, they're in it now. Yeah. Hot damn. What's going on? Let's go back. Title card. (laughs) One day earlier. (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, it was so cheesy, but it still got a smile out of me when they interrupted the previously on to do the breaking news. Channel 8 comes to you live. Honestly, like... Having watched that a couple times, the interruption, I was like, no, you're not finished doing the recap. What are you <laughs> this is too soon. And then I'm like, okay, I know that's what you're doing, but it causes the same anger in me as when there is a news interruption. So it's just a testament to the effectiveness of it. Good job. Yep. Yep. Let's go back one day earlier. Um... Dean is having a little flirtatious conversation with this jeweler as he is impersonating an FBI agent, kind of pulling a woe is me, my life is so dark and mysterious moment with her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's lapping it up. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, Sam is questioning another worker about a woman named Helena, who was this longstanding loyal employee who, for some reason had an abrupt change of character and stole everything one night. Yeah. And not just that, but came in, emptied out the display cases, got caught by the security guard. Mm -hmm. Again, a man who has known her for years and he, the security guard didn't know what to do. He didn't call the cops. He called the bank manager. Like Helena's here. What's going on? And in his distraction, Helena, Killed him. Yep, shot him right in the face. And none of this makes sense. Um, We cut back to Dean, and he's confirming that not only that, but Helena killed herself in the bathtub via electrocution afterwards. So what was the point of anything, you know? Right, right. She takes the jewels and, what, hides them, dumps them. They didn't find them at her house. Uh, Just does not benefit from her robbery, goes home and kills herself. Don't yeah. know. Fucking weird. Hmm. So Dean wraps up his questioning um, with her basically being like, why don't you come over and interrogate me sometime? And <laughs> gets her phone number and then reconvenes with Sam. He Did you read his hesitation here? Because he was flirting mm-hmm. with the teller and um she 
invites him to come over for a private interview and dean's kind of like uh, yeah yeah that that'd be good oh yeah. give me your number i was paying attention to the fact that this was it seemed to be a flirtation that had zero intention of going anywhere so when she offered up her number it was kind of a surprise to him and then he kind of followed script and said sure give it to me but it, but it was weird because he was very obviously, I wouldn't say uncomfortable, but he was hesitant to accept her offer. And he was nervous. He was like scratched the back of his neck. I, I didn't know if I should take that. I, I just didn't know what he was playing at. Was he like not wanting to get caught out by Sam on, you know, messing around on the job? Or did he not, was he just surprised that she offered or was he just not interested? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's probably easy enough to keep up a charade for 10, 15 minutes when you're talking to someone. But, you know, now all of a sudden going back to her place or taking her back to where? A motel? All of a sudden, um, this little game of back and forth becomes maybe a little bit too taxing to want to participate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and know. I just... I, I notice things like that, or I think about things like that because it doesn't fit with what the writers are trying to tell us about Dean, right? Like, if if Dean is sitting here being the charming guy, then why does he all of a sudden, like, what was the purpose of directing him or scripting it out to be like, oh, he's kind of, he's not really into it, actually. Yeah, because they could have very easily had him being the one, oh, you know, could I, like continue on this interview yeah. later like he, they could have had him being the one asked but they didn't they had her yeah uh, again i just i always want to try to understand intent but it's not that easy sometimes no and honestly reading the implications of it is very fascinating just in and of itself mm-hmm. okay. but they have kind of a little awkward exchange and Sam is also wrapping up with the uh, jewelry store manager. He has this little pompadour hairstyle. <laughs> it's so fucking cute. Mm-hmm. I've seen this guy before. But basically we find out that the cops took the security footage because of course they did. And so Dean is grossing about needing to re-talk to the witnesses. So we start a new scene where they've parked outside of the one witness's house. This is that Ronald Resnick's place. And um, Sam is narrating essentially about the national bank that was hit a month ago by another innocuous employee who died by suicide afterwards. And if it's the same MO as the jewelry place, then um, they need to figure out how these cases are related. Yeah. And this robbery has a witness, the Ronald Resnick that they're yep. visiting now. Yeah. So they ring the door. This floodlight flashes on and blinds them for a moment. And inside, Ronald makes them show their badges before he dares to let them in. Um, but we find out that he gave his statement to the cops, but he never got a call back. And so to have the FBI here, um, wanting to hear his story, um, he seems more than willing to tell them what's really going on. John Morales did not rob the Milwaukee National Trust. I can guarantee you that. Yep. And you know what did? Cyberman Mandroids. <laughs> 
<laughs> what did he he had one of those like doctor who tabloids mm-hmm. that he holds up and he, it's very doctor who this little illustration on the cover it's like oh no yeah the chinese have been working on these for a while they're robots that can change their face dean like like terminator 2 right t2 Exactly. They're on the same wavelength. Like him, he seems to be really bonding affectionately with Ron here. Yes. As Ron's saying that he guarantees that Juan didn't do this because whatever this was had his face, but it was too perfect, like a doll. And so this evidence that he has for this theory, this conspiracy theory, um, boils down to a copy of the security footage that he kept. Um, he says he knows that the cops were going to bury the copy that they received, so he kept one for himself. And sure enough, he shows the footage on his TV, and we see Juan's eyes flash silver. Um, what Ron describes as laser eyes. Yeah, the mandroid. See? See there? Laser eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And Sam while Dean is like nodding nodding along with Ronald or or when they had their little oh yeah like T two moment. Mm-hmm. He he is giving Dean those looks that like don't encourage this the crazy yeah. man. <laughs> You're not here to bond. <laughs> yeah. Oh come on. Those brotherly eye rolls. Yeah. And I feel sorry for Ron because he's saying that the cops don't believe him. They just said that this was a camera flare. And then the bank fired him because he has PTSD, I guess. I mean, woo. Mm. And Ron is just saying that he doesn't care that there's something bigger afoot and he's trying to save more people. There's this pattern. He even knows about the jewelry jewelry robbery that Sam and Dean were questioning earlier and if Ron's saying that the mandroid's still out there then he's going to hunt it down before it kills again and he even has a theory that it's located underground in the sewers that it's got some sort of lair and it seems for a moment that Sam and Dean are going to bring him in on the truth about this case I I mean Ron gives a better synopsis than the episode synopsis does. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> this thing's kills the real this thing kills the real person, makes it look like a suicide, morphs into that person, cases the job until it knows what it's gonna take, and then finds its opening and bam he even triangulates the area uh where he suspects the mandroid is holing up. Yeah. Maybe maybe underground, he posits. And all of this is we know the audience knows and the boys know to a t the description of a shifter yep yep if the recap didn't clue us in then (laughs) all of this especially that footage will do it for us Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i i liked hmm well i was sad about it but sam stands up and he looks Ron in the eye and he says, look, I'm going to tell you the God's honest truth, okay? 
Dean is also like, yeah, well, he, he, I don't know. I think that, I think that maybe Dean thinks that Sam is going to tell Ron. Yeah. Because Ron obviously has got it pinned down. Yeah. Like, I think Dean's almost looking at Ron as like, oh, he could be an ally. Yeah. Oh, he knows. He, yeah, we could, he's done the work. He's done the legwork. Yeah. Like, all we have to do is correct his QED at the end. Right, right. But Sam's god honest truth is, Ron, there's no such thing as mandroids. There's just people. There's nothing lurking in the dark. You just need... I, I forget what he says, but it's basically like, you're just making it up or you're just seeing things you're seeing you're crazy like (laughs) well he doesn't say that no but but the implication absolutely is like right the way that he's so severe in this moment and saying there's nothing evil or inhuman going on out there like he's he's lying right right and he is being very severe like you Mm -hmm. said reprimanding ron for these conclusions that he's drawn. And um, obviously uh, uh, triggering something in Ron where he is just, you can see him getting beaten down and like, oh, this is exactly what I would have expected from the feds. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I wouldn't have let you in if I thought that this was how it was going to go. Right. Well... And even Dean looks disappointed in Sam's approach. Well, I, I think because Dean genuinely wanted to bring Ron in. Yeah. He was like, I kind of like the guy. He, come on, we can, we can tell him what's up. Yeah. He's like an enthusiastic little puppy ready to fight crime. Like what we see in a later scene where he's like, he's in the same boat as us. Like people think we're crazy. And yeah. the only difference is, is that we didn't say Mandroid. We said shapeshifter. Yes. Yes, exactly. Well, uh, yeah. When Sam starts talking, when he, when, when he says there's no, there's nothing unusual going on around here. You just need to let it go. Dean cut Sam a look like, hmm, okay, this is the approach we're taking. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, Sure enough, it poisons the water with Ron. He immediately is yelling for them to leave, but Sam's like, not before we confiscate every single <laughs> bit of your research. Yeah. Yep. And Dean is still kind of nursing this when they get back to the motel. Um, We can see that he is needling Sam for playing a federal agent so well. Yeah, uh, just like what are you a narc? Like what? Did, what did he say? What did what did he, what did he say that Sam said? R- remanding the evidence, yeah. yeah, and confiscating the contraband, basically, basically oh, confidential uh, evidence evidence like for yeah. an ongoing investigation. And Dean's like, "Wow, didn't know that you were." Didn't know you had so much blue in your veins, Sam. Yeah. Didn't know that my brother was a fucking narc. (laughs) He says, we could have thrown him a bone. He did a good job. He tracked it down. He, and this is where he says, you know, people call us crazy. He's not crazy. Yeah. 
he's not that different from them. It's just, and Sam finishes, he's not a hunter. He's going to get himself killed if he ever faced the supernatural. And I'm like, well, how do well, you know? <laughs> like, it's one of those things that I think leaving him in the dark is just as dangerous. Like, he is obviously someone who has initiative. He's willing to research and hunt these things down. So do you really think that one pep talk of, no, this isn't real, is going to do anything? Like, I don't know. that they, they probably were thinking that it's just like any other witness that they talk to where it's a one and done deal, you know, they get to move on and basically forget that person and just leave with the information they gathered. Yeah. But Ron here, Ron was actually good friends. He says with the victim of the first robbery, yeah. uh, Juan, and he is damn determined to track this thing down. He says, you know, I don't need your help. I'm if if no one else is going to figure out what these thing what this thing is, if no one else wants to research this seriously, then I will. Yeah. And Sam says better that he be in the dark and stay alive, but I agree with you. Uh he did not seem the type to just let it go and he was a you know he was a witness and survivor of the shifter once already so i'd be worried that ignorant or not ron is already putting himself directly in the path to danger yep because he is so doggedly chasing down the shifter that knows who are, knows who he is and knows that he's after him apparently yeah, exactly like it feels a little naive to just think oh if we don't tell him about this he'll be safe because yeah. ultimately i mean look at their own family no one told them that a demon was going to come for their mom at like Ignorance is not power. Knowledge is power. I mean, it's just curious that Sam in this moment doesn't seem to believe that. Uh, we go back and forth on this, though, too, yeah. throughout the series, you know. We have Dean saying, if I could get every person in the world to get the demon ward tattoo, then I would do it. But they're trying to find this balance of... You know, people protecting themselves or knowing enough to protect, you know, is knowing better because then you can yeah. protect yourself or is knowing worse because then you're a burden. Uh, it's a burden and you are, I was going to say more likely to, to, to seek it out and find it. But like, that's not necessarily true. Your everyday person is not going to do that. Yeah. It's really going to depend on the person. And it just feels mm -hmm. like, unfortunately the call that was made for Ron was not the right one. Right, right, right. But yes, that is the brotherly conflict. This episode, mm -hmm. we have Dean who was, uh, sympathizing with Ron and, Sam, who's falling on the other side of, let's just leave it to the professionals. Yeah, he's a bit more calculating about it. But as they're talking, um, Sam is plugging that VHS tape in and reviewing the security tapes, confirming that it's a shifter. 
and Dean is comparing a couple maps, one of the street level and one of the sewer system, and is confirming that the main layout of the sewers connects all of these locations. So not only that, but there is an additional bank that is sitting on the same sewer line. And that's the city bank of Milwaukee, where we cut to next. Yes, and uh, we know that this is also the same bank from the intro. Yep, yep. Sam and Dean have gained entry by disguising themselves as security technicians. And there's this security guard that is leading them to the room with all the cameras. I think this guard's name is Henry, based off of the captions. But um, at any rate... They uh, make a little commentary, no, this guy is going okie dokie, and Dean is immediately <laughs> endeared. But when Sam says, what if he's the shifter, then Dean's like, well, I guess we'll just have to follow him home and stab him in the chest like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hank escorts Sam and Dean to the security room, where they're going to be doing a routine check, sir. We'll yeah, be out we of your hair. Just be in and out. And I'm like, it looks like you guys are there for a while, but uh-huh. <laughs> But Hank's like, Okie dokie, I'll leave you to it. And Dean is me. <laughs> I like this He's, guy. I like this guy. He says okie dokie. <laughs> so Sam and Dean begin cycling through the cameras, watching and waiting for signs of the shifter. Sam begins to wonder if they've jumped the gun and should be looking in the sewers instead. Um, we get this crude joke of Dean using the cameras to stare at women's asses. It's like a black and white. It looks like Nintendo graphics camera. Honestly, honestly, I'm like, you're looking at like a Rorschach test level <laughs> of black and white and be like, mm, yeah, I see booty. <laughs> like A woman in a shapeless skirt. <laughs> Anyways. Um... But they get a sign of the shifter that the manager's eyes flare on the screen. And Sam jumps up at the ready, but Dean directs him to another camera view um, where we see Ronald has arrived at the bank and he is chaining up the main doors and taking the place hostage. But even though he's firing his gun off, he swears this is not a robbery. This is not a robbery. Boom, boom, boom. It's like, um, it feels pretty serious, whatever it is. Well, this is where we really get into the heist episode vibes. Yes. Yes. Everyone is screaming, panicked, and he's saying, get down on the floor, get to the center. You know, Mm -hmm, everybody mm -hmm. get in one place where he can watch them. And Sam and Dean are just... (laughs) Calmly we're, walking the halls. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I just wanted to say we're in this big, um, like grandiose looking bank. You know, the, yeah. I think the, it's an actual bank in downtown Vancouver. Yeah, but it is the quintessential uh, bank heist robbery bank where you get at the big marble columns and the. The grand lobby and stuff like that. So yes, it feels very heisty. Yeah. But yes, I'm sorry, I interrupted. No, 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 you're fine. It's this elaborate set piece, like you say, and it really mm-hmm. 
lends, I guess, this grandiosity to the episode. But yeah, Sam and Dean are calmly walking the halls, kind of strategizing along the way. We find out that they didn't bring any guns with them <laughs> into the bank. And Dean is deciding that he's going to do the talking here. Between the two of them, Ron had a better rapport with him. So, back in that main cavernous hall, um, Ron has the key to the locked door upheld. And Sam and Dean enter. Dean calls to him. But Ron is telling them both to get on the floor. And he is demanding to know who they really are. Because he didn't buy that they were FBI. He shouldn't have let them in. So who are they? Do they work for the men in black? Or do they work for the mandroid? And fucking Sam. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. One. I love... I love the way that they just walk into the lobby. Yeah. They're like... <laughs> yeah. Ron is waving around this shotgun that looks like it would put him on his ass if he fired it the wrong way. <laughs> the kickback alone. And he's shouting. Everyone is screaming. And then Sam and Dean just walk in like, hey, Ron. Ron, what's yeah, up? Yeah, like, like within ten feet. The oh, oh, you want us like down on our knees? Okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> They're like, Ron, you don't want to. What's what's going on, Ron? Hey, buddy, you seem stressed. <laughs> Are you okay? Do you want to talk about it? Oh my gosh! So yes, he yells <laughs> for Sam to shut up. Just say like, I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> Who, who, who are you working for? We're, there is no mandroid, says Sam. Mm-hmm. And then... Shut up! Shut up! I love Ronald. I yeah. love the actor. He, he's just like, I ain't talking to you. Yeah. I don't like you. And Sam just like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, Sam and Dean get frisked and they find a silver knife by Dean's ankle. And again, this moment that Dean and Sam share a look is just such sibling energy where mm-hmm. Dean's doing a like, oh, what are you... You thought that I wasn't going to bring something? Like, shit, I got caught. Like, it's one of those faces that... Yeah. As soon as he looks out of the corner of his eye and sees Sam making the really face, he's like, I I had to. You can't be mad at me. I had to. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not going to I'm not gonna walk in here naked. You're crazy. Mm-hmm. It's such a good beat, and I just love that moment a lot. Oh, I love that Ron gets the silver knife. He's like, oh, what's this? What's this? <laughs> I, he he gives off the best energy. He's like the internal pa- You can see the panic, but... <laughs> yeah, he's... like, there's a plan, but it's really just the scaffolding of one. It's not fully thought through. I mean, you can just tell that he's seen Point Break one too many times. Oh my god. He, he gets Patrick Swayze in there. <laughs> you know it. Ron gets the knife, and it is a silver knife, and he promptly drops it into the mail drop. Inaccessible. Yep. Dean is like, no, 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 no. No. Not the one weapon that we potentially have against the monster that we know is in the room. (laughs) But okay, Ron. 
I hope that shotgun does you good. Yeah, and like speaking of this actor, so that's Chris Gauthier playing Ronald Resnick. He was just perfectly cast for it. Like I think um, from the companion book, it was originally saying that they were going for like kind of this semi-drunk guy um, that's not really sympathetic. But then when they casted as Chris... Um, Ronald became less the the weird guy in the trailer at the edge of town and became more of this someone that could be really personable. And, you know, as you're watching, you're like, oh, you know, we might see him become a hunter. And yeah. then the way that his character ends up, it just hits you in the chest. Yeah, yeah. You liked him. You liked him because he was earnest relatable earnest yes that's the word yeah he's not some ornery old guy that is out to lunch and unsympathetic he he genuinely came across as someone who seemed to care you know he spends all this time with Juan and then Juan gets beaten unconscious by someone that looks like him like it's I don't know. It's admirable. I could see um, had they cast it more how they originally intended that maybe Sam would have had more of a leg to stand on. Mm-hmm. If he just seemed straight up like crazy conspiracy guy and that that was his whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have a moment with Ron later where he confesses that you know, he's just happy that he's not actually crazy. That just solidifies to me that he, I don't know. There was self-awareness there. And like this, the sense that he knew what he was saying was out there. And yet he had faith enough in his research to be like, I'm still standing beside it, despite the consequences, like despite the social negatives that come with what i'm saying i believe it's the truth mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah all of that just is above and beyond making it again the good complex secondary character that gives our main ones a lot to play off of yes yes definitely and up to that point you're like oh you feel for him oh he's funny oh he's a he's an entertaining character but then when they when he got vulnerable in that moment or not vulnerable, but I don't know when he got a little bit more real in that moment where he was just like, I, I know how it sounds, but I knew I wasn't crazy. And I just, I'm, I I was wrong about the man droid, but (laughs) it's, you know, Oh, how wild is it that all this is out there? And you're like, you want to put, I don't know. That was where he got just really relatable and um, it solidified your like for the character. Yeah. At least in my book. Yeah, I'm with you. Just kind of that palpable relief of I'm not crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, just happy to be validated. It just, it warms your heart and then breaks it a moment later. I know, I know. We just, we get these good characters and then they're snatched away 
Yeah. So in the moment we're at, Dean is imploring Ron to put the gun down, saying, you know, we believe you. That's why we're here. But Ron says, nobody believes me. How could they? And again, that's that. Yeah. That empathy that you feel for him. Yeah, he's just a normal guy. He knows how it sounds. I mean, he's a, he's a geeky kind yeah. of conspiracy normal guy, but but like strangely on point with what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Dean is ushering himself closer and trying to basically whisper the truth of what's going on here. He mutters that what Ron's looking for is the bank manager. They saw his eyes in the camera. And Ron, for a fraction of a second, seems like he's going to believe Dean, but then he denies it. And Dean gets to his feet and says, you know, take take me hostage. You know, the longer we wait, the more time this thing has to change shapes. And Dean makes a point to say, look at me. I believe you. You're not crazy. And Ron finally listens at that. Yeah. And he also says, you know, I I know you don't want to hurt anyone, but if you keep waving that gun around, then someone's going to get hurt. So let's try to de-escalate and think with our heads. And we can't just sit around and wait for this thing to shed its skin. We need to take action, but let's be smart about it. Yeah. So if they have to keep an eye on people, then they need to keep them in a secure location And what is a more secure location in a bank besides the main vault? Yes. So they tell all of these other hostage, you know, quote unquote hostages to get into the bank vault. And um, Sam is inside there with a woman named Sherry, who is basically got stars in her eyes as she looks at Dean and is just like, (laughs) how could anyone be so brave? And Sam is just rolling his eyes preemptively. Like he's like, this is going to be the longest fucking hour of my life. (laughs) Right. Because I mean, I guess to the captives eyes, the hostages eyes, they, Dean is the one that got them out of this very scary situation and at least Mm -hmm. got offered gun away from them yes offered himself up to be the hostage to the man and now the uh, other uh, hostages are isolated in the vault i loved when we had ron and dean ron told dean to close the vault and we have this huge door uh, that dean pushes close and then ron's like spin the thing spin 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 the thing (laughs) the vault lock that is again just that cinematic that tropey moment where you close the vault door and you spin the lock to to seal it tight Again, the director is giving us all of the beats that we're asking for. Like, just shooting this in a really cinematic way. Yeah, but then we also have Ron there to be like, I've watched Point Break. I know what to do. Spin the thing. (laughs) It's very technical. That thingy needs to spin Uh right there. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So Ron and Dean go to check out the manager's office. And while they're in there ron happens to slip like a banana peel except it's not a banana it's a shed human skin and what he is freaks that? out 
I would freak out too. It feels like, well, I I'm not gonna say what I want to say, but it it's a really nasty sight, and just the thought of it being skin is like, ooh, no, thank you. Very gooey looking. There's teeth and fingernails and the vaguest melted shape of a human body. Yeah, yeah. This is the skin off a custard, mm-hmm. but like. Ugh. So Dean takes the opportunity to explain Shifter lore and how since it's shed its skin, it could be anybody now. Um, And he clears up Ron's mandroid assumptions and explains that silver can be used to determine who this Shifter is. So he grabs this letter opener off the desk and off they go. Ron taking a moment to look back into the office and be like... So cool. Yeah. Because again, this is that moment that we're talking about. Dean being like, your research was good. It was just the conclusion that was off. Here's the information you need. We're, you know, all of these conspiracy theories that you've been chasing, you're living in a moment now when it's real. Yes. Yeah. And he just wants to be the good guy. He just wants to be the crime fighter. Yeah. He wants to protect people because he's seen the hurt that comes from this thing. He's just a little out of touch. Our next scene is showing helicopters overhead. There's this real cute moment where you can see a billboard in the back that has Supernatural on it. And like the, what is it? Sexy, or Scary Just Got Sexy. Oh my gosh, really? I did not notice. Yeah, so Supernatural exists in Supernatural. (laughs) But the helicopters swoop overhead and have spotlights on the bank and the cops are gathering with the SWAT team and the news cameras are out and we see sort of the cops headquarters, the negotiators, whoever, decide to cut the power to the bank. Yes. We have... I can tell that Supernatural producers had their casting call for this episode and they said you give me your best cop voice yes oh what do we got here johnny like so tropey but again we're leaning into it it's a heist episode and we want it to hit those beats yes yes we have what seems to be the man with the plan the guy in charge cop comes into this surveillance van and um he gets a brief rundown of the situation and he's the one that orders that they cut the power he does find it very odd that the first thing this guy did ron was lock himself in yep yep that doesn't follow the typical playbook of these things yeah he came in to rob the bank but he locked the doors behind him yeah how are you supposed hmm. to get away um, back inside the bank ron is giddy again as we said that he's not crazy that this is real and he was right and we see um dean's kind of exasperated because the power gets knocked out and he goes okay well you didn't secure the security guard so he's gone off and alerted them so this is the way that the cops are saying hello to those of us indoors yeah and he's trying to keep ron calm and thinking things through aloud 
they've probably got them surrounded. They, oh, I don't know all what he says, but it it boils down to it's not looking good, Ron. No. And with the power cut, they can't use the cameras anymore to figure out who the shifter might be. That's what it was. And Dean has his own internal panic moment of cops mean trouble. Yep. Yeah. I'm kind of a known element to these guys, so um, not looking forward to burning that bridge when I get to it. Yes, here is a major complication. Mm-hmm. There are also some noises that are happening at a distance in the bank, and so um, the next that we see is back in the vault where Sherry is peppering Sam with questions regarding Dean's bravery and might and wonder. And when the vault opens, her face falls because Dean is there to usher inside more hostages. It's like he's a real hero or something. She just, again, stars in her eyes. (laughs) But that dream is shattered when now it seems that Dean has sided with the bad guy. Yes. No knight in shining armor here. The quickest Stockholm Syndrome case that anyone has ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Sam gets pulled out from the vault before they close the door again. And he gets caught up that the shifter could be in or outside the vault since it's shed its skin. Yes. I thought it was weird that they had the people, I guess you can call them the second batch of people... Well, okay. Timelines are hard. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that that second batch of hostages is more likely where the shifter was coming from, but it is not outside the realm of possibility that the shifter was included in the first batch of hostages because we don't know exactly when the false bank manager shed his skin yeah so i was going to say i don't know why he didn't just test them with the silver knife before mixing the new people with the yeah i i'm not clear on the shifter lore whether you know you just have to touch them with silver and that's how you figure out what they are or if you can only tell by the eyes and then once you know they can be killed by silver Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the funny thing is, I don't think the boys know either. You no. know, we we fall into in later seasons, we fall into the rapid test method yeah. of uh, s- take a swig of holy water, cut cut yourself and bleed red, s- silver yeah. burns, that kind of thing. But uh, here, Sam and Dean don't have the experience to know how how to test. Yeah. What the, the streamlined the techniques they can use. Right, right. And even with the way that they handle these things in later seasons, I mean, is that is that just something that the show is falling into because it looks cool in the moment, you know? Yeah. And again, if they're trying to tell a story that doesn't revolve around how cool this monster is, mm-hmm. then it's to their benefit if they spend as little as amount of time on those testing moments as possible. 
I like uh, if we were doing real world building, then I like the thought that, you know, they're just they can never be sure, not just with shifters, but they're just either working it out as they go along or it's more complicated than just taking a swig of salted holy water mm-hmm. and saying not a demon like we had like we even established with season one the yellow eyed demon a demon powerful enough oh holy water you think that would work on me yeah but yeah again the story the world building is more interesting when it's complicated yes but storytelling you don't want to have to you know, go to the autopsy and check the security footage and do this and this and this in order to have enough evidence to convince the audience of what you're saying. Like, I'm just thinking back to the synopsis, how they made it sound like there was going to be additional evidence. And then there just isn't time for it. Not if you want to tell a more complicated story. Yeah. Yeah. That's why TV is so different than if you want to explore those moments if you want to get into real world building that's when you that's when novelizations or fan fiction is so great because you can slow down and build a mood mm-hmm. in in the quiet moments of storytelling exactly you can spend the time needed on these beats um you have more than just 40 minutes or so to run through your tail. Mm-hmm. But I'm not here to get bogged down in my melancholia. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's move on. Okay. So back to 17, Sam points out the obvious that Dean's a wanted man and there are cops outside. But Dean is only going to worry about one thing at a time. They want to find everyone in the building and then locate the shifter among them. So he gives Sam uh, another silver blade slash litter opener (laughs) Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. asks Sam to stick by Ron and help him kind of keep an even keel, which just seems to outrage Sam again. Yeah. Help him manage? Are you insane? His voice gets so loud. It's so funny. Well, yes. Sam definitely thinks that Ron is just the dangerous crazy person which mm-hmm. you know just because i like him doesn't mean it's not true <laughs> ron <laughs> is the dangerous crazy person in this moment i'm like he's dangerous because i don't feel like he fully understands that gun and you know how yeah. to handle it properly yeah we case in point we have sam we have dean trying to calm sam down just be like it's okay we just need to figure out we just need to search the place figure out what's going on but in this moment we have ron who is pointing said gun james bond style casing corners and waving it around and just posing with the thing yeah looks like he's gonna fire it off just for the fun of it like Yes, yes, and when Sam raises his eyebrows at Dean, okay, take care, take care of your child. What is going on? Yeah, I did not adopt him. You did. <laughs> like, 
Dean barks at Ron to get out of the light because yeah. he is in the uh, the floodlights coming through the windows from the helicopter, I assume, or yeah, just I think the so. surrounding barricade. Yeah, and to Sam, Dean argues that the cops coming in will mean that the shifter gets away, and then they all get arrested, and there's no point to any of this. So the best plan is what he said, stay by Ron, he'll go find everybody, and, (laughs) quote, crazy is the only game in town. (laughs) Yes, yes. Yeah, and Dean is basically, I, I like how Dean is basically like, the you know it's not going how we wanted it to go we didn't plan for this fiasco and it is a fiasco yeah it is but uh but we just have to deal with it yeah he's it's like he's been tossed into rapid water and he's like okay i just i gotta swim i gotta swim until i can get out of this river and, and it's like, I didn't want to be in here. I didn't want to be wet. <laughs> I didn't want to be thrown between rocks and struggling to breathe. But I'm going to keep doing it until my last breath. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. While Sam up the river is, why didn't you pack the life jackets? <laughs> yes. I'm wet. I'm cold. I hate this. I hate this. <laughs> this wouldn't happen if you had packed the life jackets. <laughs> Well, it's we don't a have late them for that. Sammy. Yes, exactly, exactly. We don't have them now, so we're just gonna have to make do. Mm-hmm. So, Again, Sam is so bratty, so bratty. I love it so much. It's really great. Again, it's that wonderful contrast that's going on between them, where it's it's basically that I told you so, shut up type energy between siblings. <laughs> But at any rate, Dean leaves, he's scouting around, and he hears noises, as per usual. Um, Back in the vault, that guard, Hank or Henry or whoever, is seemingly struggling to breathe. And Sam opens the vault so that they can have some fresh air, but Henry wants out. And as Sam is dealing with this, the telephone rings and Ron answers it. And he starts getting asked about his demands. And he's like, I'm not a bank robber. (laughs) <laughs> and again, demands. Sam, Sam's so bratty. Uh, Ro- Ronald, no, hang up the phone, Ronald. Ronald, stop that. Spit that out. You're not supposed to chew on that. No, no, bad. <laughs> Ron, just like, no, I'm. No, you don't understand. I'm the good guy here, like a crime fighter. You see, and when ron starts to actually give away pertinent details of the situation mm-hmm. like no i'm working alone <laughs> yeah sam is just like shut up shut up stop the less they know the better it is for you <laughs> yes sam grabs the phone away from ron hangs it up and the less the cops know the better yeah um the, there's another hostage in there, Samson, who is saying that the guard is having a heart attack. And Sam just shouts that no one is dying. <laughs> and <laughs> he goes and picks up the phone as Ron covers the vault. Yes. Um, he tells the cops to send in a paramedic. And the hostage, again, that Samson guy is like, there's no time for that. And... Ron is apologizing to the group, but remains firm that no one is leaving the vault. Yes. 
Back to Dean. Yes. He's in the security room scoping things out. And he sees this moved ceiling tile and begins to poke at it with a coat rack. (laughs) The ceiling tile falls through and a body appears. And this body is identical to the man we know as Samson. Yes. Stripped to his underwear, the body of Samson. Yep. Very dead. Very dead. So with Ron, that shifter Samson is imploring him to let them help Henry. And Ron readies his gun and telling tells them to stay still. And at this point, Dean returns and he starts whispering to Sam, who immediately relieves Samson of Henry. And Dean and this shifter lock eyes and Dean asks to talk to him. But when Samson approaches, he knocks Dean around and then flees. Yeah. Dean gets whacked into the wall and Sam is now helping Henry the security guard to through the lobby he's going to let him out but um now we have a shifter on the loose on top of that on top of the man having having a heart attack yeah Jesus Christ as if it wasn't enough Hmm. Ron goes to run after the shifter but he pauses in that floodlight And Sam has a split second where he sees the sniper's guiding light on Ron's back. And it's inaudible to us, but he yells for Ron to get down, but it's too late. Ron is shot, and Dean and Sam watch helpless as he dies. Yeah. This is a (laughs) slow-mo. And it sucks. And it's such an escalation of the stakes because, you know, it's been wacky heist hijinks up to this point. And then, oh shit, our lovable conspiracy theorist is gone in an instant. Yeah. No chance for him to become a hunter that we see half a season later. He's just gone. Dean tells Sam to go after the shifter and Dean will take care of uh Henry Harold what what's his name Henry I feel like I think. <laughs> he's an H name he can be whoever we want <laughs> Exactly I'm 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 willfully forgetting at this point <laughs> Who uh, Dean goes to you know keeping cover he goes to ron's body to retrieve the key to the deadbolt on the bank doors i just had a flash of being like how fun would it be to have a conspiracy theorist hunter well they tried to do it with LaBeouf? LeBeau? What was Devereaux. Frank Devereaux. Devereaux. Mm. But I'm just imagining, like, he's in a Bobby role, but you think, like, okay, he tells riddles. Like, half of what he says is lies. Like, I know. I would love it if he just... If we had a Bobby that just laid out this totally well-researched and paper trail on exactly what the mo of the monster is and where the killings are happening and what the pattern seems to be and then we end his very well put together 
research pitch with, so, guys, I think it's a merman. Yes. Yes. I think it's leprechauns. I think it's leprechauns. And you're like, the fuck are you talking about? Guys, it's Princess Diana. (laughs) She's a zombie and she's back for vengeance. Yes. It's like zombie princess Diana. This is America. How would she even get here? No, guys, I'm serious. It's her. (laughs) So we have, again, every everything spelled out right up until the QED. Yes, yes, and it's like, okay, thank you for the research, Ron. Uh And then they have to take and be like, okay, what the fuck is actually going on here? I just think that would be fun, you know? Kind of like a Garth character of Mm -hmm. just, let's cross paths, let's see the chaos, and then let's carry on. Yep. But our guy has died. I know. Yeah. Rip Ron. Dean tells Sam to go after the shifter, and he will take care of Henry. I think that I may have already said this before, but... We're good. We're good. And he, uh, Dean, goes to Ron's body and keeping cover, he says, he apologizes to Ron. He says, sorry, Ron, you really did do good work tracking this thing down. It almost feels like a promise that, you know, he'll... Dean will finish it off for him. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is not going to be in vain. Yes. Yes. Dean retrieves the key to the deadbolt on the bank uh, doors. And he uh, also retrieves Ron's shotgun. Yeah. And then now we are back at the moment that we started the episode with where Dean escorts Henry, the security guard out of the bank. He releases the hostage and we get a slightly different perspective on what we saw with the, um, breaking news, the breaking news footage. Yeah. Where Dean gets a good look at just how screwed he is. <laughs> yeah, as soon as he's inside, he whispers to himself, like, we are so screwed. Mm-hmm. And the police headquarters confirms that a hostage seems to have taken over the situation, which is just another what the fuck moment for them. What? Yeah. What is happening? But they don't have any answers yet. And we check in with Sam, who looks in at a supply closet, but um, nothing in there. Instead, he gets confronted by scared hostages behind him. And he's like, what are you doing out of your kennel? Like, get back in the vault. You're in danger. I don't even know what I I would even think or believe in this moment. They're like... You have the guy, not one, but two guys who were, you thought were in the same boat as you. And then now he's like, no, go back. You're in danger. Do you believe him? Or do you, like, is he trying to keep you safe from this crazy psycho guy with the gun? Or is he trying to, is he just, you know, 
playing along or what's going on yeah because again like this was a hostage and then he seemed to be like is anyone gonna help out the robber and then not wait for anyone to answer he's like i'll do it (laughs) (laughs) but they listen they go back into the vault and sam uses his cell phone to call dean and advise hey on route back to the vault in the stairwell we found another shed skin um so heads up the shifter has changed forms again and we gotta round everybody up again yeah so now it really could be anyone yeah and dean just curses he's like god it's like playing the shell game over and over again (laughs) And Sam also comments that this shifter is uh, changing its skin much faster and more efficiently than the one that they encountered in St. Louis. Yeah. So more experienced, older, different species, who knows, but something about this one. It's really got its groove on and it's flipping forms fast. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Outside, a couple long black cars arrive as the FBI shows up at the cops' headquarters. And the detectives or lieutenants, whatever, are not pleased to see, drumroll please, Victor Henriksen, special agent. Special agent Victor Henriksen, please. Ooh. (laughs) It's okay, you got there. He has a title. He has a title. Yes, and the local Milwaukee PD are not best pleased that the federal agents have arrived. Let me guess, says cop voice number two. Rabards. Rabards. <laughs> I'm sorry, I put French on everything. And it's not even like real French, it's just re- reading French. Let me guess. I should step aside and let you take over command, but you would be oh so pleased if I would uh, cooperate to my fullest extent. And Henriksen's like, no, I do not give a fuck what you do. I'm here to tell you, get the SWAT team ready, get them locked and loaded, because we're breaking our way in. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do it, I'll find someone who would. So Exactly. And Roberts is like, no, something is weird about this case. You know, there's strange things afoot. And Victor just responds, you have no idea what you're dealing with, do you? There's a monster in that bank. And we're like, oh, what does he mean? A monster, you say? Do we have someone in the know? (laughs) Do the feds know? Do we have real FBI FBI agents? Yeah, are we having an X-Files crossover in this moment? what the vibes are strong enough there's a monster in that bank yeah and then we immediately cut to dean so (laughs) maybe it's telling us something i mean they're not leaving us too long to wonder because yeah um we're seeing dean talking with sherry she is grumbling as she's getting shuttered back into the bank but dean is assuring that everything's going to be all right and it's going to be over soon And they have a little moment where they exchange names um, before he shuts them in the vault and goes to answer the ringing phone. Yeah, yeah. She is still so betrayed. Why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. 
she plucked the stars from her eyes. She's like throwing them on the ground. She's like, those aren't for you anymore. <laughs> Dean answers the phone. And he tells the agent on the other line, the cop, whoever he assumes it is, that he's not in the negotiating mood. And Henriksen's kind of like, good, because I'm not here to negotiate. He's going to bring Dean in, dead or alive, and knows who he is and all of his alleged exploits. Yep. I know who you are, Dean, and Sam, too. The Bonnie to your Clyde. And the look on Dean's face as he realizes that he's talking to someone who knows it is him and knows what he's done. And not only that, but has been making needling comments about John and his upbringing. Yeah, the first thing that Dean asks is, how'd you even know we were here? And... Hendrickson quite literally tells him to screw off. And <laughs> then uh, gets in his jabs where he can. I know everything about you, Dean. It has become my job to know everything about you. I have been tracking you for weeks. And isn't that a scary thought? That now Dean is not just wanted. He is FBI wanted. Yeah. And, you know, drifting across the country is not going to cut it anymore, because if he's following you, then you better make damn sure that you cover your tracks. Yes. Yeah. And like you said, uh, Hendrickson even makes comments about John. Oh, I know all about John. I know all about how he raised you. Some real survivalist, extreme survivalist bullshit. Yeah. Ex-Marine raised his kids on the road, cheap motels, backwoods, cabins, real paramilitary survivalist type. I just can't get a handle on what type of wacko he was. White supremacist, Timmy McVeigh. And as he's saying this, Dean just gets frosty and his teeth are bared as he says that Victor has no right to talk about John that way. He was a hero. He was a hero. And Victor is so flippant as he goes, yeah, right. Sure sounds like it. Yeah. So enemies right off the bat. Yeah. Hendrickson doesn't really, really, and obviously does not care what Dean has to say, if anything. Mm -hmm. Because Hendrickson is not asking any questions. He is just telling Dean that he has an hour to let the hostages free or the SWAT team would be coming in full force. Yeah. He hangs up and Dean is right freaked. Yes. Oh, gosh. Good acting moment from Jensen. So good. Because, again, it's just this real tight shot on his face and his reactions. And you see him go from startled and befuddled down to this honed, like, oh, you don't fuck with me moment. Mm -hmm. Very good. But then when he hangs up, it's like, fuck, (laughs) fuck, 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 fuck. (laughs) We are so screwed. Yes. Again, so screwed. (laughs) 
And like, not saying that this is an actual parallel, but it's interesting to see, okay, so Dean in this moment is getting told truth. He's getting facts spit up straight at him. And compare that to when he was listening to Ron and his spiel about how he saw the truth. And like, Dean's so endeared by Ron and his little conspiracy theory approach. And like, even though he's wrong, you can see Dean is like, on his side and wants to get on board. And then in this moment with Henriksen, Henriksen's coming with straight facts, spitting straight truths down the barrel. And Dean is just, I smell a narc. Like I hate, I can (laughs) smell a cop. I just, nope, we're not fucking with this. Like, I don't know. It just, it's this element. I know I'm doing a comparison between like truth and veering into crazy territory. But it's showing Dean and that instinctual, emotional, I don't know, nuances that he picks from people. Like, he's really good at reading people. Yeah. And it's just interesting, again, to see how quickly he was endeared to Ron and then just how frosty off the bat he gets with Victor. Right, right. Because I think that um, Dean could sense the sincerity in Ron and Sam was just very dismissive of him. Sam is a good example of someone who would just see the man on the surface level Mm -hmm. while Dean, who is more uh, empathetic and sensitive to those kind of things and, and, and not, um, more attuned to uh, the character. Yeah, yeah, the character of a person. He is not just seeing the crazy conspiracist. He is seeing the true character of the man. And then now... Hendrickson is here and he is in he is intentionally antagonizing Dean I will say oh yeah so there's not much opportunity for <laughs> like bonding right and uh the more interesting thing is that Dean goes from um just above it all right Mm-hmm. He is going to be flippant. He's going to be joking. He's going to deflect. And, but then when Hendrickson makes it personal, then Dean takes it personally. Oh, yeah. Like, saying how Dean is people reading with Ron, well, in this scene, Victor is people reading Dean. He's reading exactly where the pinch points are, you know, where is it going to hurt if I stick my finger? And he's got Dean down pat. Like, again, the parallels between their characters, the contrast we're being given, it's all very, very good. It's delish. Yes. And I am so... I don't know. I I, I want to say I'm immediately intrigued by Hendrickson's character. I think intrigued is the right word. I don't have a real connection to him yet because I don't have much of his character. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he is... He has some demonisms in him. Mm-hmm. He, and he's a really new energy to the show. Yeah. But he... 
uh, I still, even if I'm trying to separate out what I know about Hendrickson and, and the whole of Hendrickson and how he, you know, fandom and can and can yeah. and, and everything. And even, I mean, even fandom aside, I really do. We, we grow to be endeared to Hendrickson in the future episodes that we see him in. But try, I'm just trying to say, separating that out mm-hmm. from With what The I'm first seeing. impression versus the overall image. Exactly. First impressions. I'm trying to figure out what my first impression is. And I'm still really intrigued by the character because, like you said, new energy and two... It is a, the implications and the intrigue that's coming out of having this, uh, the real world character that is not just the detective Ballard from yeah. the usual suspects that one, he, this does not feel like in a one-off character we know it's not a one-off character we come out of the episode knowing this is not a one-off character and it's not something they're gonna win over in one episode yes yes and but beyond that it's not just the case of the weak cop it's someone that is now they like the episode makes a point of telling you that this these consequences are going to follow them and the shadow is going to follow them and now we know that the now we have now we have this new antagonist of Hendrickson, and um, I want to I want to know what's going to happen there because it is it has always been a interesting dynamic to have the supernatural clash with the real world yes absolutely like that's what like right off the top of the episode i was like i gotta say about this because it's such a compelling part of the show that i'm like i know why they didn't lean into it more but i'm like i could i could live in this world for days of just seeing that threshold where you cross from the politics of the real world into the politics of the supernatural world and just seeing it get, you know, seeing people from either side having to tread carefully. I don't know. It's just very compelling. So to have Victor show up, both feet staunchly planted in the quote unquote real world. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to drag you over onto my side and hold you accountable for your actions. And it's mm-hmm. like, you don't have the full picture. You only have the side that you are aware of. And it's just so intriguing. Again, an interesting antagonist right off the bat where he's like, "Now nah, you're not going to drag me over. I'm not Ballard. You're not going to convince me like that that's the energy that he's bringing to the table. And you're like, oh, shit. Like this episode is all about the escalation of the stakes and his introduction brings it to this level that not even the usual suspects earlier this season was doing. Yes. Yeah. It was just the groundwork that was going to pull vault us to this new level. Yes. Yes. Thank you, B. As always, you 
can read my mind <laughs> and take it or, or, you know, you're, you're, I'm sure feeling the same way I am on these, on these new and interesting pieces that we're bringing into, into the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm like, you're really good at putting the pieces out there. And then I'm just like, I like building puzzles. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, But yeah, just like you said, it was so, it's not only, we're not only happy and interested that we introduced a new antagonist, but it is doubly interesting because it is a clashing of the worlds antagonist where we have... Are you know? It's not just the demon. Yes. It is a. Um, yes. <laughs> we He's now so excited. Yeah, I'm so excited. But we we get to we know that it's going to we know that the truth is going to get revealed. Or I don't know. Maybe we don't know that, but we know that something has to give. Yeah. Like what's going to happen? Are they going to get sublimated into the real world? Like are they yes. going to get arrested? What's going to happen there? Or like is the supernatural going to get revealed to the fucking FBI? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Something has to give. One side is going to fall to this and i um and it's like it's just the best dynamic that they can play with in this early supernatural yeah and um yeah your days of flying under the radar are over yeah Yeah. so what's gonna happen (laughs) and the episode did a really good job at raising the stakes like you said Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Just that constant escalation. Making us perk up and feel like something, some shit, some real shit's gonna go yeah. down. We are so screwed. <laughs> so yeah, Victor hangs up on Dean and we see him tell the cops to have the SWAT team ready in five minutes, despite the fact that he told Dean 60. And this Lieutenant Roberts argues that, you know, these guys haven't hurt anybody and they've even released a hostage. But Victor says that they do not know the Winchesters. They are dangerous, smart, and expertly trained. And Mm -hmm. Roberts, again, doesn't want to risk the hostages, but Victor argues that Dean is the greater risk. And I also always love a nod to the mythos of Sam and Dean Winchester. Mm-hmm. Where... I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. Yeah. Yeah. Where when we're looking at them, it's, I don't know. It's, it's the shut up, Sam. No, you shut up. Like... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sam and Dean at a diner and Dean's being snotty and shows his mouthful of chewed up hamburger. Yeah, exactly. While to the rest of the world, they're like superhuman in there. These serial killers raised by a paramilitary survivalist type. Yeah. Yeah. Expertly trained. Yeah. Like they're just, 
serial killers to the outside world. <laughs> and then we're like, no. Sam falls asleep in the passenger seat and Dean puts a plastic spoon in his mouth and thinks that he's hilarious. <laughs> oh, okay. But this episode just builds this environment that mm-hmm. is so... It's so immersive and compelling, and I could just talk about it more, but I won't. <laughs> I mean, it's what we're here for, Remy. I know, but I'm spinning my wheels now, so let's go. Okay, so Sam is doing the worst job of hunting with a flashlight I have ever seen in my life. He's like in <laughs> a hall. His flashlight is like on the fucking ceiling, like. <laughs> At any rate, he finds some blood on the floor and he goes and opens the door. And sure enough, behind it appears to be another body. This one is Sherry. And he curses and goes to find Dean at the vault. Yes. And now here are Sam and Dean. And they are inviting Sherry to come with them congratulations you won the hostage lottery you get to go free now she's like what and they're like it's a show of goodwill with the cops she's like i'd rather stay here and they're like you don't have a choice she sees the gun she sees the knife she's like okay (laughs) oh man and everyone else in this room is just standing by while this poor woman is well, they're Bing. like, I don't want to go out. I'll become the next robber. Like, that's oh, what the practice has been so far. <laughs> You're right. You're right. <laughs> Something happens when you cross that threshold. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, well, Sherry. Well, and also, I guess the other guy, um, Henry, Henry could have just and been killed. Samson. Yeah. didn't come back yeah so. it's <laughs> the odds aren't looking great once you leave that room <laughs> but sherry doesn't have a choice she goes out with sam and dean and sam leads her to that closet that the body is in the body was in and is now sprawled across the floor marble floor and sherry sees her doppelganger throat slashed and promptly loses her shit yes and she's screaming dean's like what is this community (laughs) theater (laughs) yeah yeah and she freaks out enough that she in fact faints and she passes out and dean's like looking at sam Sam's looking at Dean. It's kind of like, is this a freebie? Like, did we just get a freebie? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, Sam pulls the knife on Sherry and is like, you're never going to turn into someone else ever again. And is about to stab her. And then she faints. And now she's (laughs) on the ground. And Dean is like... He he looks he looks at the body or he looks at Sherry unconscious. He looks at Sam, shrugs, and is about to also stab Sherry through the chest. And then Sam's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This doesn't make sense. 
what is what's the plan here what's going on like what advantage is this giving the shifter to go and do something like this like it's just a sitting duck at this point so yeah dean's like all right that's enough of an argument for me so he goes to look at the body instead and at this moment the SWAT team is smashing their way through the front doors of the bank Dean is momentarily distracted but it is long enough for the body of Sherry to get up and get the upper hand um Dean and the shifter enter into a fight and rather than ask Sam for help Dean's like get Sherry out of here and then continues to <laughs> grapple with the shifter alone that's true what was the point of that oh I know but we have the fight for a little bit the shifter manages to escape and we see the SWAT team breaking in. Dean goes to hide from their passing. And the SWAT team ends up finding the real Sherry and helps free her. And the last we see of Sam is the SWAT team yelling for him to freeze. And Sam fighting them instead. Yeah, Sam gets cornered in a hallway by two SWAT agents and... He looks to knock them unconscious. Yeah. He somehow manages to best these two guys with guns. <laughs> and that's the last we see of him. Um, Dean does find the shifter and after a arduous fight manages to kill it with the silver letter opener. And he's on the floor, a SWAT person approaches outside the room and the last we see of dean is a flashlight trained onto him yeah so we're with the swat teams now they are busy clearing rooms and victor has entered inside the bank and is walking with them and he's still barking orders um we find the bodies of samson and the shifter and the cops are like, damn, she looks just like the girl that just left. Like, they must be <laughs> twins. She must have had a twin. Yeah, gotta be. Um, another room search is happening as Victor is, again, giving orders. And one of the cops comes up and is like, yeah, I don't think we need to do all of that. Because in this closet, whatever, we have revealed two cops that are unconscious with their SWAT gear removed. Yes, and Hendrickson almost has this, like, uh, well-played expression on his face. Yeah, like, he seems to have, like, just the severity, like, a of a bloodhound, you know? Like, he's got yeah. a trail and he's just going to follow it. And it's like, okay, now the prey is giving chase. And that's fun for him, almost. That's what the look says. Yeah, it's one part of fucking course. Yeah, yeah. These and two, if anyone was going to do this, it would be these two. Yes, yeah. Shouldn't have underestimated them, even though he tried to tell them. <laughs> or, yeah, I don't know. He, he, he knew, he knew it was, he knew what they were capable of, let's say. Yeah, 
And the cops, for all that they're like, man, this is a weird case, they just didn't take it to the same level of severity that Victor did. But now he is, like you said, the hound on the trail. Yeah. We know he'll be back. Yes, yes. This is not the last we've seen of Victor. And here we get one of the greatest musical cues in the entire show. We have the acapella vocals at the beginning of Styx's Renegade. Um, Just gently peppered through a scene, um, playing over what appears to be two SWAT members fleeing the scene. They are entering into a parking complex and indeed approaching the Impala, who is parked inconspicuously amongst the other cars. The two SWAT guys get into the car, and it is Sam and Dean as they remove their helmets and... Balaclavas. That's a a pastry bee. What are you talking about? Baklava? Baklava! (laughs) That's what you said. I said balaclava. Baklava. That's what you said. Oh my god. Where has this... This was on Canada's Drag Race. They were trying (laughs) to get one of the girls to say balaclava, and she just basically went, balaclava. (laughs) Was just, which which consonant do you want me to emphasize? (laughs) No, balaclava. (laughs) Baklava. Right. One of those things. (laughs) I'm just like, I didn't even know baklava was a pastry, so I was like, we're, we're not talking the same language <laughs> at all. Baklava. <laughs> Baklava. Baklava. <laughs> okay, it's Sam and Dean. They <laughs> remove their Once. helmets and their baklava pastries. And Panting hard. Once again, because it bears repeating, yes, we are so screwed. Yeah, <laughs> <And then> Renegade <laughs> just kicks into full throttle. It plays as they drive away. It's so satisfying. Yes, yes, this Renegade music, no, the musical cues that are coming from Renegade, the scene, the quiet, and then the oh the. There's a weight on the moment that you can't escape, and it is so good. It's really good. It's great. It's it's very... It's the show at its best. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I'd say this whole episode is the show at its best. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's... Again, it's that crossroads of the real world clashing with the supernatural world. And seeing the way that that shakes out, I'm like, that's just so engaging. That's so compelling. It's the flavor that I find the most satisfying in this show. It's a really good episode. It's really good. It's a really good episode. Yeah. I said right before we started recording, remember B when Supernatural was still... Very 2006, but really good TV. Yeah. Yeah, like, 
2006 Dean, at its Dean peak. all but, yeah, 2000, I was going to say, Dean all but grabbed the front of his crotch and like started doing thrusting <laughs> motions at some moments of this episode. Oh my god. I'm having flashbacks to like, oh my god, Bam Margera and all of that shit. Like, <laughs> But it's so good. I mean, this is better than any episode of Charmed. <laughs> Okay? It's good TV. I'm like, this episode feels like it's borrowing from great shows. Like, it feels like it's borrowing from X-Files. It feels like just these vibes. Again, the directing is so phenomenal. Like, it's just taking the script and elevating it and just running a marathon across a finish line. Like, ugh, it's just so damn good. B, what is your takeaway? What's your final takeaway from this episode? Oh, of all I, the good things, what's I your mean, final takeaway? Okay. Setting aside the musical cue being so fucking fantastic. Oh, yeah. Again, I just... I really liked Ronald's character. I really like what he brought. I like the what-ifs he brings to my brain of, like, that conspiracy theorist Hunter. How fun that would have been to see in the show. I mean, a fun version of Frank Devereaux. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. I just... I really like the way that Chris Gauthier brought so much warmth and like compassion and I'm, I'm picking the wrong words but like just sincerity I suppose to this character that could have really easily been disregarded and the fact that he played Ron the way that he did brought more emotional depth to the episode and made it a significant moment when Ronald was killed. Yeah. Like, if we didn't care about the character so much, that moment wouldn't have hit as hard, and then the stakes wouldn't have been as high for Sam and Dean. So I'm just... I love this character. He was absolutely vital to the plot. He did everything that was asked of the script and more, and just, again, made this pinnacle television the way that we're talking about peak 2006 i i really like i i'm glad to know that i'm glad for the context that the companion book provided for this episode where i now know that just from the casting just by choosing chris gauthier as ronald he made the character different than what was originally intended uh, in the in the original script and he brought something different to the character and ultimately made the character better for it and just like you said made um made it that much easier to connect to him and and it follows made his death have all that more impact for it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All the more impact for it. 
So it it reminds me of Gordon, right? You've got Sterling K. Brown and you bring a, a phenomenal actor into a role and it brings just the casting alone brings that much more depth into the role and into the character and enriches the episode for it. Yes. The the depth of the side characters again it highlights and it hones in on those details that we learn about our main characters. So when you have really great actors filling these roles, you get really great responses and insights into Sam and Dean. Right. Yeah. That ties in a little bit to my final takeaway, which is I got a real sense of world building in this episode. Yes. And we've been getting it. I think that we've been just by playing with genres how we have been, we have been um, unintentionally filling in these, like, fringe pieces of the larger world by putting our characters in these situations and in these genres that they don't usually um, operate within. Mm-hmm. Then it flushes out the world in a way that we don't get when we're just looking at the galloping horse that is the center of the puzzle. We don't see the meadow behind it. Yeah. This episode brought even more of that than some of the previous episodes, and you really feel it here. Yeah. Like, thinking back to season one, we were hitting a lot of urban legends and sort of folklore and mythos and things like that. And, you know, you can cover a lot of world building in the sense of the monsters from it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what what are your characters responding to? You know, what different elements can you bring to each of these stories? I'm not saying that you can't. I'm just, it's very much focusing on what is out there. Whereas in season two, when we're getting these different genres, we're seeing what our characters could be. You know, we're giving them these different structures, these different stories, and seeing how well they fit within them. I don't know, like, I'm not saying one is any better than the other. It's just they're doing very different things. And so it's neat to see season one take one approach and then see season two take this different approach. And just the focus that comes on to the characters um, in each of these ways. Yeah. And a lot of the credit to that world building goes to the side characters that we're seeing in the episodes. Because the side characters are the protagonists of their own stories. Their own stories being the situations that we're now thrusting Sam and Dean into. Yeah. So we have Ellen, Joe, and Ash in the roadhouse. We have Gordon. We have Ron and Victor. Ava. And... and yeah. Yeah. Andy and out there. Do- yeah, Dr. Lee. And I don't know. All of, all of these characters that um, are illustrating to us these different pieces of the world. And this episode just had such a vibe to it. It really... I really dug it. Yeah. Yeah. Again, 
the companion described it like putting Sam and Dean in the jaws of these circumstances and then just squeezing them, like seeing <laughs> seeing what comes from them in these character moments. I like season two a lot. <laughs> I, yeah. didn't, I didn't think that I was going to love season two as much as I have been, but wow. It, it honestly, I'm like, it doesn't have a stinker. Every it, episode is like doing something good. I, yeah. There's only like two or three episodes this whole season where I'm like, oh, I could skip, but I, I don't want to, you know, like it's good. It's really good. It's been really good. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was season two, episode 12, Night Shifter. You guys all think it's good too, right? I, I mean, can... come on. Especially after we pitched it to you. What I do you know. think? I can hear the yeses. <laughs> I can hear the head nods that are happening. <laughs> and if you're shaking your head, then I, I, don't, that's, I don't... That's silent, okay? That doesn't carry across podcasting. Nope. Yep. The world is why I make it. I'm kidding. I'm kid. I kid. So that was season two, episode 12. Next week, we are doing season two, episode 13, Houses of the Holy. Yes. And we have a awesome surprise for you guys. So you better tune in next week to hear um, some extra exciting opinions about the episode. Yes. Is that vague and tantalizing enough, Remy? <laughs> you know, I think we did maybe promise special guests at some point. I think we mentioned it once upon a time. <laughs> well, I'm just completely unrelated that I mentioned yeah. that. Yeah. At this moment. I guess we'll have to see how that plays out. You'll have to join us next week. Yeah. Yeah. Before you go, if you want to leave a review, if you want to tell your friends... Take the link, put it somewhere, talk about the show. We love you for it. Yes, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys so much for all of your support. And we will see you next time. See you guys. See ya, bye. Bye.